Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible-Williams. And this is our second week in our Presence of God series. And we are so happy to have our dear friend, Lisa Harper, with us. Lisa is a speaker and a writer. She's part storyteller. She's part scholar. Most importantly, she's Missy's mama. And she has a new devotional coming out in October called Life. And listen to this subtitle, An Obsessively Grateful, Undone by Jesus, Genuinely Happy and Not Faking It Through the Hard Stuff, kind of 90-day devotional. That is our Lisa, and we love her. This is a longer conversation than our average ones, but we dare not cut any of it out because we loved it. And so let's go. Lisa, did I see that you and Missy traveled recently? Oh, my goodness. It was our first flight since COVID started. Since my last trip was the beginning of March. Which is crazy because... You guys are about on the road every weekend. We're on the road every weekend. All the time. Until, until COVID. Until COVID. And then I've done a few things like driven to Atlanta. You've done a, a few small things. Drove to Charlotte to be with a church there that was not meeting you know, social distancing, but just doing some video stuff. But we actually flew to Kalispell, Montana. And so I was out with Levi Lesko and his church, Fresh Life, out there. But we had to fly. You know, it's a bit yeah. of a haul to yeah. drive from Nashville to Kalispell. And it was kind of weird. Yeah. You yeah. know, even though I was telling a friend of mine, I've been traveling for 35 years. This is the longest time period I've ever spent off the road. And not always flying when I was younger, but I've always had jobs that required travel. And so it was just, it was kind of weird. We got to, after our first flight from Nashville to O'Hare to Chicago, Missy started dancing in the middle of the Chicago. <laughs> and nobody you know, in dances the concourse. like Missy Oh, dances. she just dances and twirls. Yeah, she has much better rhythm than her mama. <laughs> but she was dancing and twirling. She goes, Mama, I love to travel. And I thought, I do too. And I, I think too. it's because I associate sharing the living hope of Jesus Christ with being on the road because yeah. I've been a traveling evangelist, you know, pretty much my whole adult life. Yeah. And so it was really glorious. And then if you've ever been to Glacier National Park to get to, oh my goodness, I it's one not. of the prettiest places. You've got to go. I haven't. I'll have have let me get a plane ticket. I saw your photos. You just gape. You just stand and your mouth is just hanging open that God did this. It's so extraordinary. And it's, you know, there's not a lot of population there. So like we were watching the, I'm horrible at pronouncing this, Perseids, per, whatever media show yeah. we're in right now. We just got up on the deck and you looked up, there's no light pollution. And I saw oh, yeah. things in the sky I've never seen. 56, I've never seen the stuff, stuff I saw you in the can't sky. See in Nashville. So yeah, it was really, really a fabulous trip. Just in every sense of the word, but it was it was interesting to be back mm-hmm. on the road. So I was thinking about this yesterday. I had a friend say, I kind of wish we would have known what was coming. And mm-hmm. then I was but thinking about you as someone who travels constantly and then it mm-hmm. just sort of cut off. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know. Like mm-hmm. we didn't really there was no like this is a thing that's gonna happen. And I can't decide if that was a grace. Like, are yeah. you glad that you didn't know? Oh, I think six I, months ago? I, I, yes. Okay. Because I think I probably would have just, I'm not sure what I would have done the first <laughs> month. I'm pretty much a glasses half full. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know what? We've just got to pray. We've got to pray against this, you know, against people losing their lives and livelihood. But everything's going to be probably back to normal by June ish. Mm-hmm. Maybe and sooner. Then, sooner. Yeah. And we have five acres out you know, on a hill in the middle of nowhere. Y'all have been there. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, I'll just, this is good. I've got time to study for my doctorate. I usually am kind of running and gunning. So I thought this is good. I'll really be able to sit and some, some study. And then I thought, and this gives me time to clean up the acreage. Sure. And there are a few (laughs) trees I wanted to chop down. Well, about three weeks in, Mm -hmm. I had a chainsaw because that's what you do when you're old and single. You have your own chainsaw. (laughs) And I was outside and I was cutting down this little tree that I just thought, I'll make this area prettier because I love to nest Mm -hmm. outside as well as inside. Mm -hmm. And I'm cutting this tree. And you know how you'll get, I don't know if y'all do this, but I get balloons over my head that say things my just a tad <laughs> like a cartoon? late. Yes. Uh-huh. Just tad late. So I have this little chainsaw running and I just had this kind of aha of that's funny. I didn't realize this chainsaw threw sparks. 
And then on the heels of that, I had the thought, this smells like propane. And I had cut a, a gas line <gasps> with a chainsaw that was the, like, you don't you no. blow up yourself doing that. So, of course, I scream, I jump, I run, I'm Missy's way on the other side, you know, of the property. So yeah, everybody's yeah. safe. But I am panicking. So that's how I did at the beginning of COVID. I <laughs> used a chainsaw too often and almost blew us up. So I, had I known... <laughs> Yeah, I think maybe I would have used more chainsaws. I'm just chainsaws. mouth-gaped I know, right now. I know. How could just, that even happen? It just happens to stupid people who have a hard time resting. <laughs> I need so. you and Missy to have a reality show because we, <laughs> I just feel like if we could capture some of these moments on yeah, video, the world be would be a brighter place. Baby is lit and mama not so much. <laughs> yeah, we. it has been. It's been a lot longer than I thought, yeah. but I yeah. also don't want to waste what he's given us in this season. That's good. Yeah. The time, and you know, I feel like everybody's saying that, the time where you actually are sitting together at dinner talking, the mm-hmm. time that you're mm-hmm. lying out in the yard looking mm-hmm. at media showers, the time there have been a lot of graces mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have even known, I think, to pray for yeah. had it not been this complete kind of cessation mm-hmm. of the way life yeah. normally was running. Well, it's probably a, there's a false premise to my question because I said I can't decide if it's a grace. Of course it is because that's yeah. the way that it happens. That's right. Right? So that's right. of course it is. And Voskamp would say like, oh, oh my goodness. Oh, it's grace. grace. Of course it's Anne grace. would say it. Anne would say it much better than I But in a beautiful <laughs> Anne way. Uh-huh. Oh, it's grace. That's yeah. right. That's right. She her. is Jesus Jr., isn't yeah. she? I mean, I don't mean that heretically. So she's yeah. and he's don't have a cow. <laughs> um, I don't mean she's literally Jesus Jr., but she's just so <laughs> full of the goodness of God. The aroma of You can Christ. tell she spends a lot of time walking with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. She spent, I mean, this is in this week's reading, spoiler alert, we're going to read a lot about Moses mm. being in God's presence. And mm-hmm. yeah, it changes you. It does. I heard N.T. Wright the other day talk about someone, and it was kind of one of his throwaway comments. He wasn't even, this wasn't even something he was teaching on, but he talked about someone having a Jesus-shaped life. Mm. And I thought, oh, I life. love that. Mm-hmm. So that's Anne and Mo, yeah. Jesus-shaped mm-hmm. lives. So it really is. And Mo. It's Moses, if anybody wants isn't keeping track. <laughs> and That's like Mo. Jeff Bethke calling Cornelius corny. Corny. Yeah. 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 yeah like exactly. That. that one stuck. He's now corny to yeah. me. You have to. Well, there's some names you have to, like Mephibosheth. Yeah. He's Bo. You can't call him Mephibosheth. You call him Bo. Oh, yeah. Call him Bo. Okay. Call sure. Blind Bartimaeus Bart. Yeah. I've heard you call him Bart <laughs> for sure. Well, if we knew him, I bet we would. My friends call me Lise. Yeah. So surely if we knew them and they're yeah. actual people, I bet when we get to glory, he'll go, oh, just call me Bart. Yeah. Call me Bo. Okay. Yeah, I think. And Mo. I like Bo. And Mo. And Mo. Yeah. Bo Mo. Yeah. Yeah, well, I like it. Here we are in the second week. Second of week of the series. Presence of God series. This study is really special. And I hope that you listening are loving it as much as we are, where just reading about the vastness yet the intimacy of God's presence and just the layers Mm -hmm. of, I mean, this study feels very layered to me Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. such a really good way and also a challenging way. It's really challenging the way that I think of God and the presence of God. Last week, we kind of had four keywords right at the beginning that we kind of gave y'all for a little bit of like framework and language to put to the presence of God. We talked about his transcendence, his imminence, the mm-hmm. manifest presence of God, and then his omnipresence. So you can go back and listen to last episode to hear a little bit more about those. But really, last week was a lot of like, here's the idea of the presence of God. And then we promised that this week is where we're going to get a little more into the scripture, the narrative mm-hmm. of the presence of God, where we're actually going to see his transcendence, his imminence, his manifest presence, where we're going to get to read accounts of men and women smelling him or Ooh, seeing him that. or hearing him. And so that's this week and next week. So I'm excited. I mean, we're starting right here in the garden. I like every, at least once per series. We have to go back to the garden. To go back to the garden. Every time. Yeah. I see Lisa's Bible's already open to yeah. Genesis. What is that? Two, three? Yep. Yep, yeah, I can tell. Two and three. Lisa's Bible is one of my favorite Bibles of all time. Mm-hmm. ADD Bible. It's so good. Lots of it reminders. Just, if you've never seen Lisa's Bible, it has every color of post-it just coming out in all directions from every page. So it's just <laughs> really full of 
lots of Lisa. What thoughts. is the Spurgeon like quote? It. A well-worn Bible is the sign of a what is it? It's a Bible that's falling apart is usually owned by someone who's not. Who is not. There it is. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, that's not verbatim, but it's close. But it's close. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk. Let's talk God's presence beginning of not just Genesis, but of scripture, like our introduction to first God and then humanity and all of the, I, so I read Genesis 2 last night, mm. just kind of revisiting all of this mm-hmm. and just, I mean, usually I put an exclamation point in my Bible every once in a while, yeah. but I feel like this week of the presence of God study, it was just like yeah. exclamation yeah. So many. Like, wow. I, know. I try to be kind of judicious with I the highlights know, I know. because you want to be able to read the next yeah. page of my highlight. You want to be like, yeah, through. we get it. We, we're glad you like, like all of scripture. How can you not highlight all of two plus mm-hmm. two is... Before the fall. Yeah. You know, first yeah. two and last two chapters in scripture are the only ones that don't include sin. So Genesis 2 has always been one of my favorites. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's talk about it. Genesis okay. 2, we have some really physical things going on. Like even starting in verse 7, then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the East. And there he placed the man that he had formed. So right like right off the bat, we have some very physical things happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we get to, you know, verse 16, and the Lord God commanded man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But right there, we have a verbal communication mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. God and man. And then, you know, you get down to Things like chapter three, verse eight, and I'm trying not to skip around too much, but like I'm just kind of pulling out these physical moments about yeah. God's physical presence. And this you one's see, my favorite. And you see verse eight, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. Which is one of my favorites. What? At the time of the, the evening, evening breeze. In some translations, does it say like in the cool, in the, of, the uh-huh. evening? Yeah. cool of the evening? Oh, it's so uh-huh. good. And then like such a beautiful start to that verse and then you have the comma and they hid from the Lord God among mm-hmm. the trees of the garden. Mm-hmm. And so you've got this like, oh, it almost feels like the first of that verse is, oh, this is the way it could have been, should have been. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like right. you walking with right. God in the garden. But because of what happened sin, in the verses before that. That's right. Instead we're hiding right. in the trees instead of walking through the trees with right. God. Right. I love how tactile he is, Mm -hmm. you know, because he could have just come as a theophany. He could have just been smoke. He could have just been fire. But I love that he was so tactile Mm -hmm. with Adam and Eve. I think he knows that we need something that is present, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. To hear him walking, like that you immediately assume like you hear footsteps. Yeah. 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 I feel like he was barefoot. I'm just going to just go with this. But I feel like he's like, you're just like the image I get is... Barefoot walking, there's the breeze, you know, tree, like the leaves rustling. Last night, actually, it was early this morning. I walked outside and it was very quiet outside. But for there was a breeze and just like the Mm -hmm. sound of leaves rustling Mm -hmm. is so specific Mm -hmm. and beautiful, you know, Mm -hmm. and like that's what it and it was perfectly cool this morning, which was weird. It's probably not that way anymore, but it. I feel like that is this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like, oh, it feels perfect. The weather's perfect. Yeah. Well, and I love, you know, you've got Holy Spirit, the word for Holy Spirit in the Hebrew there. How do you pronounce it? Y'all, and onomatopoetic forms. They mm-hmm. sound like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ruash in the Hebrew. So it sounds like the expulsion like of breeze. air. And the pneuma in the New Testament. So it's the breath of God. And so you... I love that everything that has to do with breath, even the breeze, the cool evening breeze, every time I hear, like you said, wind and trees, Mm -hmm. I think that's God's string section. Mm. There's something about wind. (laughs) There's something about him identifying the spirit as breath. Yeah. The very breath we Uh we breathe. I love the movement of air always reminds me of the presence of God. Yes. Oh, same. And you know, even now when, you know, we're so formed by our experiences. And now when I read that passage in Genesis 2 that you just read, Rachel, in verse 7, where 
you know, God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. So I think of our friend Leslie Jordan's song, Great is it great as uh-huh. great are you Lord? Uh-huh. That's yeah. what it is. Uh-huh. But the line is it's your breath in my lungs right. and I pour right. out we pour out our praise. And I think about Toby mm-hmm. and how many times, not just me and mm-hmm. my husband, but how many times so many of us prayed for literal breath right. in his lungs. In and his I lungs. still do. Mm-hmm. I still lay my hands on mm-hmm. his chest and his back mm-hmm. and pray for air, you know air in his lungs and for his lungs to heal and new tissue to develop and like right. but that's our god like that's right. that all of that and you think about language in scripture about like bone and sinew and right. you know like mm-hmm. it's such a a grace <laughs> as yeah. our as Anne would say that we have that type of visceral connection mm-hmm. in scripture to God. Mm-hmm. When you also think about the intimacy of him breathing into Adam, because he could have done it any other way. Mm-hmm. Yes. He could have spoken it into existence. Right. He could have touched it into existence. Right. And you think, you know, I'm skipping ahead, but to Song of Solomon, which you'll have to do really soon. But, you know, Jeannie Guyon, who was kind of the original Beth Moore, you know, just amazing in her application of scripture back 1700s, I think, early 1800s. Anyway, she wrote a Bible study on the Song of Solomon, and because she was so audacious to say when it says, kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, that that denoted the intimacy we can experience with God, Mm -hmm. she was imprisoned in the Bastille. And I think basically God kissed Adam to breathe life Mm -hmm. into him. That's a very intimate, he breathed breath. You know, you think of, to make it really unbiblical, Baywatch, and, <laughs> you know, somebody who's spent too much time in the water, but that mouth-to-mouth, I grew up lifeguarding. Yeah. And every year we had to take this lifeguarding test, and we had to simulate. Make the chest rise. You did. Yeah. And I think how kind, how specific, how tactile, mm-hmm. how intimate of our God to breathe mm-hmm. life into us, not to touch it, not to speak it, mm-hmm. but to breathe life into us. That and I not, love his kindness there. Not only Adam, but Eve. Yep. He intended to also create a woman. Right. And I love that he caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. Verse mm-hmm. 21. So the Lord mm-hmm. God caused a deep sleep to come over the man and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. A couple things I love here. One, again, like you said, Lisa, he could have spoken her into being, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. there's a there's a physical connectedness yeah, between intimate. the man and the mm-hmm. woman, the intimate between God and also yeah. between them. Mm-hmm. But also my pastor, Scott Sauls, was talking, I think at church on Sunday, he said, notice here, Adam had nothing to do with this. That's right. The very good, indeed, had nothing to do with what man could do. God mm-hmm. did his best work while we were at rest. That's right. Right. And I love that there's no credit to be taken. Mm-mm. Well, it's like a doctor, like a surgeon, you know, yeah. like the patient is asleep and the surgeon does his yeah. work. And right. yeah, even that, the physicality of that he took the rib and then closed the flesh, like mm-hmm. it feel it's very mm-hmm. tactile. It's like the world's first surgery. Yeah. One of my professors said something recently that just slayed me because we've all, you know, if like y'all, if you grew up in church, you've seen this chapter two, you've seen it flannel graphed, you know, in, sure. in Sunday school. Mm-hmm. And we at least... With usually, the humans always creatively draped. That's right. Yes. Always yeah. creatively draped. <laughs> Small pieces <laughs> or of felt. placed behind. Yeah. Uh-huh. Even the fig leaves, yeah. I think, in Sunday school are much bigger much than they larger. were in actuality. Yeah. But... <laughs> But, you know, we know chapter two. We most, Mm -hmm. many of the people listening will know chapter two. He said something, a professor who's worked with me on my dissertation, that just, I couldn't even respond right away. He said, you realize there, the verse you just read, 21, is God's cognizance that he wasn't enough for man. Hmm. Now, he's God. He's perfectly, completely God. But in his kindness, because this is before sin enters the story. You're right. In his kindness, Hmm. he knew the limitation of man would need somebody else. Hmm. I mean, you stop and think, because we always confess, you're enough for me, you're enough for me, you're enough for me. 
But because of our human limitations, we don't have the capacity to be completely satiated by God. So he said, I'm going to create a Not partner. because God is not enough. God is perfectly enough. Because he is. It's because we're insufficient. It's because we're limited. To perfectly experience God's yeah. God's oh, efficiency. Wow, yeah. yeah. But I just thought how kind that even there he's accommodating us. Hmm. Always, always yeah. thinking here's Providing. something that they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really sheds new light on the concept of community and right. mm-hmm. and then, you know, the church and the body of Christ. Yeah. How that need continues. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then we're not redeems that. Right. I know we're not at one, but if I had to say a life verse from the Old Testament mm-hmm. is Genesis one, twenty six and twenty seven, mm-hmm. where God made us in his image and it says in their image, in our image, God yeah. is in us. Yeah. That's and right. so Augustine says he's the only God who exists in perfect community unto himself, God the Father, Son, Holy he's Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a Trinitarian God. And we forget that. I yeah. think sometimes we mm-hmm. segment big God in the Old Testament and then Jesus, accessible Jesus in the New Testament. I'm like, yep, no, otherwise God would be bipolar. He is perfectly triune God, Old, New Testament. All the time, everywhere. Yeah, and we're made in his image, so we're wired for relationship. But I think, isn't it cool that he... That he provides that in 221, that he goes, you're wired for a relationship, so I'm going to give you somebody to satisfy your need for human intimacy. And then you get that us again in 3 verse 22. The Lord God said, since the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not reach out, take from the tree of life, eat and live forever. So the Lord God sent him away from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. So the contrast that we get in just day one of this week, so day eight of the study, from Genesis 2, where we have God walking in the garden and we can mm-hmm. hear his footsteps. And then we've got this transition to he may not reach out. He right. God sent him away. And then we get into Genesis 4. Well, with, before we go there, it's verse 24 just yeah. it really gets me. He drove the man mm. out and stationed the cherubim mm. and the flaming whirling sword east of the Garden of Eden to guard the way to the tree of life. So it's not, I was really struck by like the emotion that I felt this time around reading these passages in this particular curation in this order, because it wasn't just a, well, you have to leave now. I mean, this was a decisive banishing. Mm -hmm. Well, and what's so cool, if I can, again, did a study recently Because that has always been such a sad scene to me, the banishment. And I'm working through some hermeneutics right now for a a class I'm in. And the Hebrew word there, drove out, is galrosh. And it sounds like I'd always kind of imagined, because, you know, Eve is the one who really, you know, kind of ruined everything by the whole rotten apple incident. And so I always imagine Eve is kind of trashy, you know, Daisy Dukes, (laughs) tube top, and she gets drop kicked out of Eden because it sounds like such a banishing term. God drove them out. That word galrosh is used redemptively in Exodus. It also means to herd. So when they don't want to leave captivity, and Mo mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is hurting them toward the promise. Leading them. It, it, yeah, it's a like hurting. Pushing. It's a redemptive oh, wow, hurting. Yeah. Then remember when David... Toward the promise. Exactly. Huh. Away from captivity Yep. that we tend to sometimes get stuck in because it smells familiar to us. Yep. Yes. And he almost has to rock us out of a rut. Mm-hmm. Remember when David was running from Saul and he got in trouble with the king of the Philistines and he was wearing Goliath's sword and he is definitely, and they're going to kill him. Mm-hmm. He's standing in front of the king and y'all remember he feigns insanity. He drools in his beard, First Samuel somewhere. And, first Samuel somewhere. Yeah, First Samuel <laughs> somewhere. It's First Samuel something, something. Mm-hmm. And he drools in his beard and then the king says, uh-uh, uh-uh, because you know Orthodox Israelite men in Mishnah are not allowed to drool in their beard. It's considered desecrating. Please don't do that. And so he says, the king, uh-uh, I do not want his blood on my hands. I'm not going to kill a crazy man. And so David is released by feigning insanity. Mm-hmm. And the moment he's released, now he shouldn't have been. I mean, he's pictures in the post office. He's enemy number one of the Philistines because of what he did to Goliath and all the shame. They release him based on thinking he's lost it. Immediately upon his release, that's when he writes Psalm 34. Those who put their hope in the Lord, their faces will never be covered with shame. Beautiful in light of the fact that he's just 
kind of soiled himself, Mm -hmm. according to Jewish culture. And he says, I'm not ashamed because my hope is in God. Mm -hmm. Same term, Galrosh. Really? The soldiers, unwittingly being used by God as pawns, drive him away from a certain death toward freedom. She go, we think, we read it in Genesis 3 and go, oh, they get booted. It is actually a redemptive booting. Mm. And notice when God places the cherubim, the holy bouncers, if you will. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I will. They're facing out. Yes. So they're protecting Adam and Eve because if they come back to the garden, Mm. so it's not it nearly huh. as punitive as it reads, it's y'all can't come back in because if you eat from the tree of good and evil, you will be forever it's suspended over. here. It's over. There's no redemption. So when you think of hurting out as actually hurting toward oh, this changes redemption, changes, so the, changes the whole format because even there, God's not some unkind, unibrowed librarian. He's <laughs> like, okay, they've totally broken intimacy. Now I'm going to herd them. So I can begin redemptive history. I'm going to herd them toward their good. They're not going to know it's for their good because they're not gods. And I I love that. I love it. And I also love the term holy bouncers. Definitely going to put that away with like (laughs) Corny and Mo and Bo. (laughs) I have always read this. Of course, I understand the story that is to come. Right. You know, I mean, I've read it. And so I know that there is redemption to come, but I've never looked at that image as redemptive because it seems like the holy bouncers are protecting Eden from the bad guys. Instead of Adam and Eve. Which are Adam and Eve. But now to view it that way, I think... Right. Sounds a lot more like the God I know. It's a lot more like the God we know. He's kind. Of course, it's original sin. God is perfectly holy. So I don't mean in any way to paint that as that's not original sin. But God's response is not anger. It's kindness. So in the driving out, he's actually hurting them toward wholeness. Hmm. He's not hurting them to you know, a suspension because he's mad at them. Mm-hmm. He's hurting them toward wholeness, which I love that. And the thing that's so interesting to me is that we have this like full presence with God in the garden. And then like you said, in Revelation, mm-hmm. we also get the, right. the Lord makes his dwelling place with that's his right. people. And then there's the in-between. And there are some real which puzzlers. Which is so messy. Some real puzzlers. <laughs> yeah. in there because even the next chapter, chapter four, you know, we see Cain and Abel. And scripture says, chapter four, verse three, in the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. Here's what's interesting to me. They're not completely driven out of God's presence. Mm -hmm. His presence continues. There's a place to go Mm -hmm. to bring an offering to the Lord. And the Lord still is talking to Cain. We're having these conversations. And of course, you know, as the story goes, Cain murders Abel and he says to God, I must hide from your presence and become a restless wanderer. And then later in 16, then Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Mm -hmm. All of this is really interesting to me because the Lord's presence continued with humanity Mm -hmm. to some degree, but a degree that we don't really understand. Was there a physical presence? Was it, I mean, there was talking and there was offering fruit or animal. Right. I mean, what do you think, Lisa? You know, I don't know. I get hung up there. I, the hurdle I always get hung up on at that first chapter of them leaving the garden is Seth. Yeah. Because after Eve totally blows it, mm-hmm. and you can imagine, I would think, because they're completely human, the voices of recrimination when they're mad and she's tired and Adam's like, well, if you hadn't eaten that dead gum apple, you know, mm-hmm. I can you can just kind of <laughs> almost hear that. And then she has these sons. And one murders. I can't. I can't. I can't conceive as a mother mm-hmm. of one of my children killing the other one. And I think Eve has to feel like the biggest failure. She's the first woman, and it looks at this point like she's going to be the last. Mm-hmm. And then God, in His kindness, gives her Seth. Mm-hmm. And so again, you see that redemptive wrinkle over and over and over again. It takes me to Psalm eighty four eleven. No good thing will he withhold Mm. from us. Even if we're limping toward him, God won't let us miss redemption. Mm -hmm. Did you call it a redemptive wrinkle? Mm -hmm. I liked that. I feel like I hope all of my wrinkles are redemptive. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like they're going to (laughs) be. She had a neck surgery not too long ago, and the surgeon said, as if to 
encouraged me. He said, oh, don't worry. The scar won't show. I'm going to put it in one of your folds. <laughs> I was like, I have a fold? I can't believe you just told me I have a fold. And don't say, no, yeah, one of that your was folds. That, yeah, one plural. of your folds. I was like, thanks, Doc. Just fine. Among the um, folds. Yeah. Doctors, um, so just don't. I know. They just so yeah, good at so many things. You're good at so many things. But I don't know as far as his presence. You know, the first yeah. time we see a theophany, a physical manifestation, is after you know, after they've been in Egypt. And so I don't know. I mean, you see the burning bush sure. just prior to that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how he revealed himself to him. but they recognize that he's there. Yeah. So there has to be some yeah. sort of presence that they were cognizant of. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine hearing God's footsteps and being the recipient of his pleasure and then losing that? Yeah. Or you still have his presence, but there's distance that you've created. There's no that, more footsteps. And no more footsteps. So that's so a sad middle. Even with the new framing that you've given us for those verses there in chapter three, where they are driven out of mm-hmm. the garden, there is that sadness of, you know, the reality of the separation. Mm-hmm. Um, from God. And I feel it also in Cain and Cain voices it, Right, you know, my punishment is too great to bear. Right. And it brought to mind for me, Ephesians 2 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And just that all of this, this is the beginning of a centuries long story Mm-hmm. Of that, that mm-hmm. verse right there of those of uh, who are far away, which is all of us, mm-hmm. right? Because we all are in sin, being brought near, mm-hmm. and so that hurting, that redemptive hurting that right. is continues all the way to the cross, mm-hmm. right? And There's, then even beyond, right? And I yeah. think that's the reason it's so important for us to go back to the beginning. I meet so many people who go, yeah, yeah, I'm not really into the Old Testament. I think, oh, you're missing oh, out. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. You can't, you don't see the beauty and the color of the New Testament without the narrative of the Old mm-hmm. Testament. And I think repentance is rooted in awe. We don't always recognize we're being ushered. Mm-hmm. We don't always recognize, I mean, in our own lives, all three of us could tell stories when we go, ooh, it wasn't until I looked back that I tripped right. over God's grace. Right. You know, and when I was in it, I didn't see it as grace. I look back and I go, I can't look back on my life and not trip over his grace. But we are all too human. We see through the glass dimly. Mm-hmm. So Adam and Eve didn't understand Galrosh. All they know is they're leaving the garden. They don't realize yeah. God has begun human redemption in us. And so I think to go back to You go back to the footsteps, you go back to the breeze, you go back to he still didn't completely remove his presence from him. They're still offering offerings. And you go, wow. Mm -hmm. And for me, repentance is rooted in awe. When I realize at Hmm. the tiniest bit I can grasp it, how big and how kind and how perfectly holistically good our creator redeemer is, I go, Yes, sir. What do you want me to do today? I mean, you know, yeah. there's a, yeah. a confidence and a humility yeah. that comes from That's that. That's good. We were reading Romans 11 recently, which is, you know, a whole thing, mm-hmm. but it has that line that says, talks about God's severity and his mm-hmm. kindness. Mm-hmm. And that juxtaposition. And they're not mutually is, exclusive. That's right. That's right. Right. Yeah. And that connection's really interesting. I love that. Hey friends, Rachel here. I'm going to pause our conversation for just a minute because I want to tell you something that you're going to want to hear. Now, if you've been around the She Reads Truth podcast long, you've heard us talk about those beautiful printed study books that Amanda and I and our community use so that we can be women in the Word of God every day. You may have even heard us talk about becoming a subscriber so that you can have these books delivered to your door every month. Now, if you've been on the fence about subscribing, this is what you need to know. September is the perfect month to jump in because we're sending not one, but two study books this month. This double book month phenomenon only happens twice a year. So all subscribers, new and existing, will receive the book of Daniel and our Proverbs Walking in Wisdom books in this month's shipment. That's a $48 value for only 20 bucks. So head on over to shopshereadstruth.com slash double box to subscribe today. That's shopshereadstruth.com slash D-O-U-B-L-E 
B-O-X. Okay, back to our chat. Lisa, you talk about the Galroth. Wait, I'm not saying that right. Galrosh. We, can, we can't say it it's right. We don't like have the Gold same Rush. guttural. Yeah. I have some friends who can speak sure. Hebrew, and it, you go, oh, Everybody you needs have a couple kind of, of the, friends yeah. who can speak Hebrew. Yeah, I, it's all transliterated <laughs> for me, but it, close sure. is Galrosh. Galrosh. So the Galrosh, you see that not too far later in the route of the Exodus. That's right. There's a direct route, and right. there is a route that is right and good and right. a part of like herding them toward redemption. Right. And we'll get to that actually in day nine, which let's just talk about the Exodus. Let's go right there, because mm. you were saying, and that's another word that we haven't really defined for the she's yet, mm-hmm. theophany. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that word, Lisa. Theophany is just a $50 seminary word that means a physical manifestation of God's presence. Mm-hmm. So when humans with our natural eyes can see a physical representation of God's presence. That would be Mo interacting with a flaming topiary. Mm -hmm. That's a theophany, (laughs) a burning bush. So it's when God chooses to reveal himself in a physical form that we can see. Great. So that's what a theophany is. Okay. And so then let's go to Exodus chapter three, Moses in the burning bush. Mm. He is on the mountain of God, Mm. uh, Mount Horeb. In verse 2, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. And Moses looked. He saw that the bush was on fire but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? And then when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. Hmm. And they exchanged a conversation. And one of the things that I love so much in verse 7, it says, Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the words we talked about last week, the imminence, that God doesn't create us and then go away. Right. That he Not a remains engaged right. with his creation right. so that he has observed the misery and then and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings and I have come down to rescue them from the power mm-hmm. of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. That's God in a theophany. We get him in the mm-hmm. burning bush. Mm-hmm. And then um, and he says, I hear you and I know and I'm mm-hmm. coming and I'm, we have a place to go now. Right, right. Yeah, I love the beginning of Exodus because there's two heroes there before we get to Moses that Moses wouldn't exist if it wasn't for, have y'all studied Shipper and Pua? Pua. Yes. I'm always like, you know how women think so it's good. cool to name their kids biblical names? Yeah. I'm like, just don't choose those. Don't choose like Pua. Shipra or Pua. Pua is rough. Pua <laughs> that's is rough. rough. Yeah. But I love that all along, again. This is the Hebrew back, midwives. That's right. Hebrew yeah. midwives who, well, you know, according to the original Hebrew, they probably weren't Jewish. Oh. They were probably Egyptian. There's different schools of thought on that. But well, most of the more conservative commentarians think that they were probably Egyptian. Egyptian. And probably infertile, because that was okay. kind of the job you took up if you struggled with infertility. That seems unfair. I know. But then if you see the end of that, because we keep talking about redemptive going forward, and, and your life actually ends up having more grace than you even would have dared prayed for. Yeah. You've got these girls, and I'm backing up, y'all. I'm sorry, but I just love the story before you mm-hmm. get to Mo, because they're the gateway to Mo. Yes. You've got these likely Egyptian, there's a some funky thing in the Hebrew there that makes them think that they weren't Jewish, but they were the midwives to the Hebrews. And, you know, the Pharaoh says, all the Jewish boys kill them when they're being born, just kill them as they're coming out of the birth canal. Terrible. I'm sure they didn't take the Hippocratic Oath back then. And they say no. And then it's so hilarious because when they come before Pharaoh and he goes, what's the deal? All these Jewish boys are living and they're like, their mamas are just so vigorous. They're like they're so, so into Pilates and keto. They just, we can't help it. They're so vigorous. They're having the babies before exactly. we can even get there. We can't even get there and they're just, boom, the babies are shooting out. But had it not been, and what's so cool. Which isn't, this too, which isn't necessarily back, true. They're just, diff- they're helping they're, deliver They're the helping. Yeah. But it says, and because the midwives feared God, yeah. again, you've got to have some Rahab. presence through his Holy Spirit. He gave them families. Y'all know I became a mama through adoption at 50, so I love these old mamas in the Bible. They had stopped hoping that they would be mothers. But he says, you trusted me. You kept, even though I wasn't appearing to you in a form that you could necessarily see me, you somehow knew in your spirit that I was good. You trusted me. And it's through their, really their heroism 
because Moses wouldn't have been born had it not been for Shipra and Pua. Yeah. So again, you mm-hmm. see every detail of this narrative yeah. is God's kindness. I'm going to find a way for my people to be free. Which is another reason a way. to believe that maybe they were Egyptian, that they would yes. be able to have yes. babies. And Yes. Oh, yeah. wow. Isn't that cool? Yeah. What, I love that. What you just said about God finding a way for his people to be free. If, mm-hmm. if we, another title, I mean, the this reading day is titled God Leads His People Into His Presence. But I think another title could be God's Presence Brings Freedom. Yes. yes. Because you have... Not just, I mean, you have the deliverance out of Egypt, but listen to the language where God promises freedom to his people when he's talking to Moses. So this is Exodus 6 and starting in verse 6. Therefore, tell the Israelites. So God is telling Mm -hmm. Moses what to say to his people. Listen to all of the I wills and who's Mm -hmm. saying them. I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians and rescue you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. You will know that I am your God, who brought you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord." Hmm. Mm. It's just two I am the Lord's and saying, you know, with all of those, here are the things that I'm going to do. And he even, we tend to skip over the fact that he mentions labor. You've got to remember the God that they've been laboring under in Egypt is the Egyptian God, the sun God, Ra. Mm -hmm. And Ra has no compassion for them. Mm -hmm. The sun God, Ra, means you work your fanny off every day until your backs break and your fingers bleed. And he says, I'm your God. I see you. I don't want you to work yourselves to death. I love you. You matter to me. Even in that Exodus Old Testamenty passage mm-hmm. that we would tend to skip over to get to a good part where Jesus heals a paralytic, you go, do you see the mercy there mm-hmm. yeah. of God going, you matter to mm-hmm. me more than your physical labor? Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And then we get another manifest presence. Mm-hmm. of God when he leads them mm-hmm. through a pillar of fire or a pillar of cloud. Is it a pillar of fire and a pillar? Of cl- yes. They're both pillars. Wait, mm-hmm. before we get to the pillar of cloud, yes. I know I mentioned it, but I really just want to read it. That route of the Exodus, I think is just spectacular. Oh yeah, read that. Yeah, it's amazing. 13, 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them along the road to the land of the Philistines, even though it was nearby. For God said, the people will change their minds and return to Egypt if they face war. So he led the people around toward the Red Sea along the road of the wilderness. Wilderness. Mm-hmm. So he, sorry, it, it, the emphasis matters there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That he knows what is good. I just like, I have so many notes along in the margin oh, here. Oh, I love it. Well, and what's cool is you think, remember later on in the Old Testament where it says they were weak because they didn't know war. You know, there's a place yeah. where he's like, uh, my people got to work out. Here, there's nothing wrong with them physically. Mm-mm. They've been busting their tails 18 They're hours strong. a day making bricks. Yeah. So it wasn't their bodies that he had to train, but their hearts were weak. Mm-hmm. Their hearts were broken. And he goes, they aren't ready for war right now. They'll give up mm-hmm. if they face hardship. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take them another way so they'll spend all this time with me, knowing yeah. me, seeing me, seeing my protection. And then and, even yeah, that next so sentence tender. says, and the Israelites left the land of Egypt in battle formation. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting mm-hmm. what, what Israel thinks they need yep. and what God yeah. knows right. that they need, right? right? They're posers, We're just ready. like us. We're ready. Just like yeah. us posers. And he's like, yeah, we can take you. probably not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you get yes. to, that brings us right to, this is verse 21. The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to lead them on their way during the day and in a pillar of fire to give them light at night so they could travel day or night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of night by fire never left its place in front of the people. So that is, it is a tangible example of mm-hmm. that verse that we love so much in Psalm 139 that mm-hmm. you hem me in behind it right. before. Where can I go from your right. presence? That's right. Oh, yeah. Right. You hem me in. You hem me in. Yeah. Right. And this one, it's like, oh, 
I'm going to make this. And I love that it changes from cloud to fire because you're right. not going to miss this at night. That's yeah. right. I don't, we're not going to risk that. It's a supernatural that. blimp. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't <laughs> let them miss him. He's yeah. so good. Mm-hmm. He's so kind that even when we don't realize we're being protected, we're being provided for, he will at some point make his presence unmistakable. unmistakable. I mean, his presence here is they're not searching for God here. He goes, I'm going to make myself so unmistakable because you've lost your desire to even search for me. You know, they didn't have their own history yet. Yeah. I always forget that at this point, they don't have Genesis. They don't have Torah yet. Yeah. And so they don't know. They've forgotten who they are. Mm -hmm. So he says, you know, you got to love it when he leads them through the Red Sea. And he says, you just have to sit and observe, you know, so they've got. Lawn chairs up beside the Red Sea. <laughs> but when they get to the Jordan, he says, no, now it's time for y'all to get your feet wet. You've spent enough time with me. You've got to get your feet wet before I'm going to dry up the Jordan. So, again, you see him. You see this merciful tutelage mm-hmm. that he's he's moving them toward redemption, toward hope, toward wholeness, toward the promised land. But he won't let him miss it. Yeah, He's such a kind God. Yeah, your bodies are strong, but let's work on your heart. Right. Let's work on this relationship. Right. Wow. Right. And it's just this pursuance of restoration of being mm-hmm. able to be back into the Lord's presence. Right. It's right. that restoration. And that's what it's always about. It's always about Him restoring the intimacy we broke. Yeah, yeah. And then we get to Sinai. Is that how you pronounce that, Lisa? As people pronounce it differently, so I just go with whatever anybody says. <laughs> I, I like Sinai because I'm Southern. I like the extra syllable. I do too. The, the extra it's syllables not, it's, do make me it's happy. Not in they there. make me so happy. And hanging diphthongs, it <laughs> yeah, all makes me happy. Listen. So okay. So Israel at Sinai. We're in chapter 19 of Exodus at this point, and we are. There are just incalculable. Exclamation Ooh, point. S A T word, baby. Yeah. S A T. Like Amanda word. sometimes will draw praise hands and they're a little awkward looking, but <laughs> she does her best. And this is that moment where you're you. just going, Oh, you want to talk theophany? Yeah. I'm reading it in verse nine, starting verse nine. It okay. says, The Lord said to Moses, Is that where you would start, Amanda, or would you start sooner? No, 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 that's great. It's verse sixteen through nineteen that just make my actual head explode. Yeah. 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 Okay. I still have to read nine, though, because it's good. Listen, of course, of course. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear when I speak with you and will always believe you. That matters. Moses reported the people's words to the Lord, which is funny to me. Side note, like, obviously, God knew the Lord, the people's words, but it was funny that Moses went ahead and reported them to God. But we'll keep going. Verse 16, on the third day, when morning came, there were thunder and lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain, and a very loud blast from a ram's horn, so that all the people in the camp shuddered. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was completely enveloped in smoke because the Lord came down on it in fire. Its smoke went up like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain shook violently." As the sound of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in the thunder. In the thunder, Shekinah, Shekinah glory. I mean, let's just everything. Lisa, talk to us. Tell us all about. No, Amanda has something because she said in verse twenty, the Lord came down on Mount Sinai at the top of the mountain. Yeah. Then, then the Lord summoned Moses. (laughs) I I can't stop. I'm to the top of the mountain, and he went up. And I just I put my margin. Wow, good job, Moses. Oh, yeah. Brave. Like, can he you went imagine? Up. He went up. He went. All right, and here I, mean, I come. I can't decide if I, I would be like, go, of, Lord. of course I'm going to go because did you see what just happened? But then I also think that I would go, I'm not going up there. Did you see what just happened? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Did you see? Well, okay. So Are we allowed to cheat and jump to New Testament? Yes. That's not in the reading. It, can the, we just take a tiny is, rabbit is trail? Is it in the Bible? The, yeah, it's absolutely yes, in the Bible. Then you can. It's a wee wee rabbit trail, but this. My two favorite parentheses, well, not all of them, but, you know, the shadow and substance in Scripture. You'll see it in the Old Testament, and you see kind of this hope, and then you go New Testament. (gasps) It all relates back. Okay, (laughs) one day I'm sitting, because it always bugged me that Moses didn't, well, I don't want to spoil alert, but, yeah. You You can say it. He didn't make it in the promised land. I know. 
I know. And it it's just kills me. Oh, it's a huge bummer. Huge bummer. Okay, but hang with me. Hang with me because there's such a good Paul Harvey part. Y'all didn't know him, but he was an old guy that used to tell amazing stories. The rest of the story. The rest of the story, which is always good in Paul Harvey's context. I would know, but I'm only 20 years old, so it's tough. I know. You're, we, you still have tight skin and high metabolism. <laughs> I, on the other hand, have more wisdom. Much more wisdom. I have some redemptive wrinkles. Redemptive wrinkles. I have a lot of redemptive <laughs> wrinkles, and I'm not above pulling them up with spanks. So anyway, this is much much as I love Sinai, it also, you know, it's a precursor to the fact that you go, Moses gets to see God's back. He gets to experience God's presence so much so they have to put on sunglasses. They can't see him because right. he's glowing. And you're like, and then he didn't make it in the promised land. It just always, that always stuck in my craw. One day, this is probably 15 years ago, but it truly is one of those moments that changed my life and changed my understanding about that God is always good. And our finitude does not limit his faithfulness just because my dinky mind can't comprehend that he's always good and I can't always see through the context of redemption. That doesn't mean he's any less than perfectly redemptive. So I'm reading in Mark and y'all know the Mount of Transfiguration. You know where I'm going, don't you? Were y'all going to go here too? No, I'm just go. Go, go. Okay, so in (laughs) Tell the story, Lisa. He says, tell the people to set up parameters you've got to have you know you've got to have some fences around sinai because so much glory is going to come down it could hurt them physically so this is an mc hammer moment you Mm -hmm. can't touch this (laughs) and so he says don't have them too close to mount sinai because god's coming down and from then on even today you wouldn't have an orthodox someone who is jewish say shekinah probably out loud there's such reverence with the word shekinah because it means all of god's dwelling power and glory And so we talk about the presence of God. It's there on Sinai so much that there's thunder. You jump to Mark. Earthquakes. Earthquakes. Yeah. You jump to Mark and you've got the Mount of Transfiguration and you've got, most people know the story, Peter, James, and John, three closest to Jesus, climb a high mountain. Most theologians think that that was a real similar area. It's probably Mount Hermon. We don't know for sure. But anyway, they climb up this mountain. And do you remember what happens? I do. They get to the top and a cloud comes down. And you remember Peter's response? I love Peter because he's always sticking his foot in it. I love him so much. You know, he's, I know just first what he to says, do. let's go to REI, you know, yeah. and get tense and yeah. stay up here. But then the cow gets closer and he goes, ah, ah, and it says he's trembling with fear. Mm-hmm. Well, why is he trembling with fear? You know, Jesus is glowing. I mean, this is like such a cool hallmark moment. He's trembling with fear because he knows Jewish history. And he knows that in the past, when the cloud came down, there was such holiness in the cloud that the people couldn't get close to the cloud or it would literally kill them. Only Moses. And Pete goes, oh, my goodness gracious, we're just about to be fried into grease spots of oblivion. And then the voice comes out of the cloud. It's exactly, I mean, you go back and you go, this is Exodus 19, only it's in Mark 10. Or 11. It's in the middle of Mark. The (laughs) voice comes out of the cloud and it says, do you remember what God says to Peter? This is my beloved son. Look at him. In Exodus, they're told, don't get close. This is the holy presence of God. It'll kill you. Then you've got new covenant. You've got Jesus same almost exact situation there at the top of the mountain. Here comes a cloud. God's voice is in the cloud. Pete's like, oh, crud, we're going to be killed. And the voice of God goes, Peter, look at my son. <laughs> Get close to him. He bridges the gap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that Sinai you see again mm-hmm. at the Mount of Transfiguration, and you see that because God has ushered them closer and closer and closer to redemptive glory to Jesus. Now he's saying, scoot closer. You don't have to set up boundaries at the base of the mountain when I come down. And because God's specialty is the layers of Mm -hmm. redemption and restoration. Not only that, but who's standing with a view of the promised land. Right. Right, I forgot the best part. Moses Moses. (laughs) is standing in the promised land. A glorified Jesus. If you were to ask him in Exodus, sorry, I'm screaming. I'm so excited. I love it. But if you were to ask him in Exodus, you know, do you want to trust the Lord? Because this is going to look real hard in your natural body. You don't get to go into the physical land. If you were to ask him there, he'd be like, well, geez, can I get like a mulligan? I'd really love to I'd go really to the promised land yeah. with these four million sweaty ingrates. Or do you trust the providence of God? And here you go in Mark, first time he stands, smack dab in the middle of the promised land, with most the scenic of God. view, 
with the Son of God. I mean, it's like, of course he's going to pick door number two. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, again, it's always redemptive. We don't see it sometimes. It's the gall rush. It's the gall rush. He's always hurting us toward better. Always hurting us toward better and closer to him. He picks door number two for us. He does. Because we don't know. He makes door number two. I mean, man. So we don't get that passage in this reading day. Sorry, sorry. I totally cheated. No, I'm so glad you did. Never apologize. What we do get is 2 Corinthians 3. Which is almost as good. Where it talks about the new covenant ministry and how the new covenant is even more glorious than the old. And the old is where you have Moses with the shimmering, actual shimmering face Mm -hmm. because of God's presence. So I'm going to read a little bit of it. This is 2 Corinthians 3. I'm just going to start in verse 7. Now, if the ministry that brought death chiseled in letters on stones came with glory so that the Israelites were not able to gaze steadily at Moses' face because of its glory, which was set aside... How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry that brought condemnation had glory, the ministry that brings righteousness overflows with even more glory. Mm -hmm. In fact, what had been glorious is not glorious now by comparison (laughs) because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was set aside was glorious, what endures will be even more glorious. And then you keep going. I mean, going. keep going. It's so <laughs> Just good. if you were in the room right now, you would see our hands in the yeah, air. So many That's arms right. flailing right. around. Verse 12, since then, we have such a hope. We act with great boldness. Mm-hmm. We are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from gazing steadily until the end of the glory of what was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it is set aside only in Christ. Yet still today, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Mm. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there There is freedom. freedom. I'm just going to keep going. Mm -hmm. Verse 18, (laughs) we all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the spirit. Yeah. And the Lord who is spirit goes back to the breath and the presence of God. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes, yes, yes. Do you know, I feel like y'all, one of my, probably my main purpose from now until God calls me home or Jesus comes back, because I'm not nearly as young as y'all are. I'm 56. I feel like one of my main messages is to tell younger women it gets better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It gets better. Walking with Jesus doesn't get boring. Studying God's word, reading truth doesn't get smaller. It gets bigger. It gets better. It's what it's exactly what you just read. Yeah. It's more. He's kinder. He's bigger. He's more loving. I've fallen more in love with scripture in my 50s than I was in my 30s. Yeah. And that's his promise to us. Yeah. You keep walking with me, limping toward me. You will see right. more glory. There will be you will be drenched in grace. There will be joy unspeakable. You just stay the course. Yeah. And in a time when we can feel that ministry comes with burdens like we were talking about social media before mm-hmm. we started mm-hmm. this conversation and how I don't know why we feel like we have to carry that yoke mm-hmm. of social media. But to me, I mean, even though we have not been in ministry as many years as you have, I mean, there is still such, there can get to be like such fatigue. Mm -hmm. And I just, hearing that encouragement and admonition from you makes me think if we are feeling that, and I don't mean the heaviness of responsibility that Mm -hmm. comes, that's different. Mm -hmm. I mean, the burden of things that the Lord did not put there. Right. This is not right. the burden that he's given me. Right. He's given me a different burden. Right. That if that's what we're feeling, then there's something in this equation that is not of that is not right. given by him. Because where we just read, I mean, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's, there's freedom. freedom. There's freedom. Mm-hmm. There's freedom. There's lightness. The yoke is easier. And I do totally agree with you. Our times, I feel like are, I think almost everybody, if they were being honest, would say, I have felt more burdens. I felt more weight. Part of it is almost like in the atmosphere 
mm-hmm. right here. There's such division. There's been such loss of life and livelihood. It's just, it has been a heck of a hard yeah. five months since mm-hmm. COVID. The sighs are deeper. Yeah, the sighs are deeper. A deeper sigh. You're right. Yeah. That's well put. But, and there's always this but God yeah. in scripture, but he's stripping things away where I think we're beginning to see what Moses saw that when my gaze is fixed on him, everything else gets paler. Mm-hmm. And so some of the noise in my life prior to COVID, I could call it a worship song, but it wasn't. And I think when all is stripped away and I can hear those footsteps in the garden again, it makes mm. me go, oh, this is actually what I'm called to. I might not always get applauded for that. Are you being gold rushed? I have been gold rushed <laughs> a lot. Yeah. yeah. I really have. Last really? five months, there yeah. has been a hurting And I don't think I even realized some places where I had gotten off the trail. Yeah. 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 Same. You know, I know that we have to, I'm so sad to say, wrap up our conversation because I would love for it to <laughs> be going. We haven't even gotten through everything. I know. We have so much more That's because you have a windbag on the show no, with you today. No, that is false. I love it so much. Can we like give 10 minutes yeah, to the Tabernacle temple. and Temple? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> 10 mm. minutes. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is, uh, I mean, we can try, we can do our best. But there is the connection to this conversation that we're just having this kind of what our personal experiences are right now. I was so taken aback reading about the tabernacle and the instructions for the tabernacle. Mm. I'm often fascinated by how specific the instructions are. Mm -hmm. And we talk a lot, you know, here at She Reads Truth, even about how much God cares about beauty Mm -hmm. and good design. (laughs) You know, that those things honor him. Right. You know, there's a reason that sanctuaries of old are just so elaborate and beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're building a house for the Lord, you know, shouldn't Mm -hmm. it be? But to read... All of these instructions, and I don't know specifically where you want to dive in, Rachel, so I'm game to dive in wherever. But when I read about the specificity with which God had the temple created for him to dwell, and then I think of how through Jesus and by his spirit that we are made this temple and that he dwells in us. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is an earthquake moment Mm -hmm. that we've, Mm -hmm. you know, talked about. Uh, recently that thank you, Joe Saxton, for that term. She gave that to us and we're just going to keep using it. Mm -hmm. But just how it is incredible to me that all of this that seems it's very specific, very formal. And then it comes to then God's spirit dwells in us. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm not very specific or formal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they're just there's so much there's just so much grace in that reality. Yeah. But what do you want to talk about? Well, I mean, the high level here is that, you know, God's presence is leading mm-hmm. the, the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. And then he gives them instruction to mm-hmm. give because he wants his dwelling place right. in a sense and in a very real sense to be right. among his people. So there's instructions right. and the tabernacle is constructed and there's the curtain in the most mm-hmm. holy place that's only visited once a year on the mm-hmm. Day of Atonement and the mercy seat. There's all these things. And then once it's constructed, you know, you get Exodus 40, this climax of the mm-hmm. book of Exodus where the Lord's glory enters the tabernacle. the tabernacle. It says mm-hmm. the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Moses was unable to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud rested on it mm-hmm. and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Hebrews 8 mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and it says, now the main point of what is being said is this, we have this kind of high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle that was set up by the Lord and not by man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it was necessary for the priest to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he wouldn't be a priest since there are those offerings and gifts prescribed by the law. These serve as a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was warned when they were about to complete the tabernacle. For God said, be careful that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. Two things that stuck out to me here. One, I like the words, the true tabernacle. Yes. I like that the tabernacle, the heavenly temple of God is the original. Mm-hmm. And, and the mm-hmm. tabernacle and the mm-hmm. temple were made mm-hmm. after this. But the thing that struck me, and I've, I mean, we've talked about that Jesus sat down at mm-hmm. the right hand of the Father. Mm-hmm. We know this. And we mm-hmm. know that when, when Jesus 
sits down, it is to say it is finished. The work is done. The battle is over. But I think the thing that I walked away with, I read that last night, Mm -hmm. and I walked away from that going, no kidding, was that, I mean, last week we talked about that we want to be careful not to just know this in our heads, but to feel this and understand this in our hearts, Mm -hmm. to live as though we have the presence of God, Right. right? Right. I think that I forgot that the presence of God that is surrounding me, hemming me in today in this room mm-hmm. is actually actively seated in heaven too. Mm-hmm. That he's in heaven and mm-hmm. he's here and that like it's the same. Yeah. And that just uh-huh. I think it just made me sit so still. There's to me there's a beautiful juxtaposition and Hebrews is would be at least one of my top threes and out mm-hmm. of the sixty six canonized books in scripture because it's all about the superiority of Jesus that he's better True than the better. old covenant, better than the temple and the priesthood. and yeah. But it's also the accessibility of Jesus. We have a high priest who sits down at the right hand of God the Father because he completed the work. But we also have an empathetic high priest who it says was made perfect through pain in Hebrews. doesn't mean he was anything less than perfect, but it means he chose to take on pain so that we wouldn't have to bear as much. So again, it goes back to where we started, the presence of God. The presence of God is perfectly other, perfectly holy. And because of his kindness, he makes it absolutely accessible. So we worship who God is. And then we also, because of his mercy, and to me, that's the, you know, I've done all the, since I was a kid, done all the tabernacle studies. I've been to Jerusalem three times and studied temple. Yeah, like you study the symbolism and all this, and all that's cool. But sometimes I miss my nose that it's in the middle of my face. And to me, that's the thing about temple and tabernacle. For those of you who are just starting to read all this stuff, tabernacle was just the temple when it was transient. When they were in the wilderness, they they toted it around and it became a brick and mortar building in Jerusalem. But the greatest miracle to me of tabernacle is right smack dab in the middle is mercy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's not about the pomp and the circumstance. It's about the mercy of God that we get intimacy that we sabotage, Mm -hmm. that he has this kindness toward us that is undeserved. And so that's the thing I love about Temple. I always come back to the mercy scene. That we get those footsteps in the garden. That's right. And then we get... That we walked away from. uh, We walked away from. But he's herding us back toward And he's herding us back. We've got the leading us with the cloud and the fire and then inhabiting Mount well, you Sinai know he says, I'll be your temp- front tabernacle. guard and your rear guard. Yes. It's like we know good thing. Well, he yeah. told, if you're just in the car, yeah. <laughs> he's going to take you to the place he designed for us, which is greater and greater intimacy, greater and greater glory, deeper and deeper grace. You may not think of the presence of God as the through line of scripture, right. but then you can't not see it. Right. That's yeah. exactly. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You can't not see it. Yeah, Yeah, that's really good. That's exactly right. All right. How do we end this episode? I mean, typically we'll do a beauty, goodness, and truth. I mean, we've found so much beauty, goodness, Mm. and truth in Scripture today. Amanda or Lisa, do you have anything that where you're seeing just beauty, goodness, or truth in your everyday life? I have to go back to what y'all said at the very beginning. He walks beside us. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking, I want to be so close to God that I actually can hear His footsteps again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me read this as a benediction over us. This is actually going to be our Grace Day passage that will come at the end of this week. But this is Second Chronicles 7.3. All the Israelites were watching when the fire descended and the glory of the Lord came on the temple. They bowed down on the pavement with their faces to the ground. They worshiped and praised the Lord for He is good, for His faithful love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Y'all, we will be back again next week with week three of the Presence of God series. Don't miss that. And Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. Come back. We love my having you. Goodness. Listen, I'm gonna tattoo y'all's name on my ankle. I love you've y'all. been you've said that before. You so keep promising. I'm not showing you it's henna. It's henna. Uh, it's henna. <laughs> That's good. Well, listen, and here's your pop quiz, Lisa. We will see our listeners again next week. But until then, what do we tell them? Keep opening your Bibles, y'all. It'll change your life forever. That's right. That's right.